We live in a world of violence, war, magic, and the supernatural. I'm here to bring you a glimmer of hope for tomorrow. This is the Voice of Hope podcast, and you can call me Beacon, your auditory guide to the safety of Castle Refuge. To all Tomorrow Legion teams in the field, your mission profile references are 19, 20, 1500, Queen of Spades, 16, 19, 9, 12, 4, 1, 2, 5, 1, 10, 7, 10, 8, 20, 5, 20, 3, 2, 2, 11, 20, 16, 6, 4, 4, 6, 4, 3. To Gale and the remaining survivors of the Ironheart Avengers, we are diligently preparing for your extraction. General Magruder has come up with one of his most audacious plans to date. The entire 3rd Battalion of the Tomorrow Legion is being deployed to the Rio Grande region to engage what vampire groups they can find in an attempt to create a diversion to draw attention to the northern border of Mexico. The Legion is also reaching out to our contacts with Reed's Rangers and the Arzno Mercenary Corps to see if they will assist in this effort. We are still waiting for a response for the ANC, but Reeves Rangers has sent a liaison named Evie Rodriguez, who will speak to us later in this broadcast. As for General Magruder's extraction plan, he is planning on leading the team himself. The team will consist of ten set teams that will be transported via rift to the stone pyramid that was detailed in Gale's transmission. As was identified on the fifth Voice of Hope transmission, the Legion is still searching for an iron horse of our own. However, our allies from Laszlo have been more than generous in supplying one to the Legion on an as-needed basis. To quickly get in, get the refugees, and get out, the Tomorrow Legion has requested the use of the Iron Elmore, one of Laszlo's ironed techno-wizard trains. The Elmore has enough defensive capabilities to protect itself while the team is able to locate and move Beltzer and the refugees. The Elmore will drop the team off at a nexus and then will depart and wait for a request for extraction. Now loading this many passengers will take time, so the sets will be required to defend the pickup zone until the last of the refugees are aboard. So the teams defending the train will include a number of powered armor units, including Magruder's own unit of four Glitter Boys, an entire company of the Mage Psy units from the Tomorrow Legion, and four TW-15 Mustangs from the Vintage Air Force. These fighters are techno-wizard creations of planes that flew in an ancient war in Earth's past. They will provide air superiority over the pickup zone. All of this preparation is due to the dangers of a mission this deep into Mexico. Legion Intelligence has sparse information about the true dangers that exist this far into Mexico, and very few teams have experience dealing with vampires. So Reed's Rangers has sent one of its expert vampire hunters, named Evie Rodriguez, to help us plan this operation. But she also agreed to join us to share some vampire hunting knowledge with the entire Tomorrow Legion. Evie, good morning. Could you please give the listeners a little bit about yourself? Well, howdy, y'all. Um, I, um, I, I grew up in northern Mexico. It ain't easy out here. Before long, many of us learned how to va- ha- uh, hunt vampires. Well, that's about it. So really, vampire hunting is more of a uh, matter of just survival as opposed to a profession well it goes <sighs> some 
times it's well everyone has to learn to, to hunt them there are those of us who decide to take it on as a more serious task and make it a Gail, in her transmission, mentioned the vampire city of Minatilan. So are there really cities run by vampires, or is it just a city with a vampire problem? I mean, from what most people have seen of vampires, it's really hard to imagine any kind of social structure. What you're getting, what the CS and others getting are just, well, they're just the wild ones. The crazy ones. But no, there's, there's definitely a city there. We've got never gotten that close to that one, but we've gotten into some of the more northern cities. There's a big city there. There are big cities. There are small cities, and they're definitely completely controlled by the vampire. Really? Wow. So they're so the actual the vampire kingdoms are actual kingdoms with structure and hierarchy like any other kingdom. Yep. Def- they've got someone at the center an extra dimensional being who starts it all vampire uh what he what they would call master vampire basically run the thing and then they their subordinates which are secondary vampires uh, um, who do all the low level leadership bureaucratic military thing and then the rest of them are just humans or dbs if they're still really that's actually quite frightening to think about of course, my equipment and stuff, I, I have inherited it from a man named Dwayne from the Eldorado Broadcast Radio. And he was broadcasting all the way back to 100 PA when Aaron Tarn actually traveled down to Mexico. And she had sent some, some information back about how to fight against vampires. Do you know how much of that information is correct? Well, unfortunately, not too, not that I know much. Because well, we don't get much. Um, we're about... We're in the southern portion of northern Mexico. We're really away from everybody. Um, there isn't any major settlements for a good thousand miles. So not entirely sure. But uh, from what I've heard, um, it seems like it's relatively odd. Okay. So what, uh, in your mind, is the most effective w- uh, weapon the Legion could be using against vampires? Water. Plain and simple. Water. Water guns, water cannons, fire trucks, whatever. Whatever you can get, they can't stand it. If they're in running water, they're going to basically just melt. And it's the easiest way besides putting them in the sunlight. Really? That's good to know. The problem is down this far, we don't have that much water. So so most people really ration just for the vampires. We drink a lot of other things. Uh, I've heard some of the some of the alcohol from down there is pretty good. So, uh, usually military operations uh, prefer to operate under the cover of night to get surprise. However, this doesn't seem like the best idea fighting vampires. How does Reed Rangers normally conduct raids into vampire territories? It all depends. Um, <clears throat> if they're out in the middle of nowhere, a lot of times it's best to just set up an ambush and let them come to you. They're going to be hunting down different villages, other larger homesteads, and so the best thing to do is be prepared for them and take them on when they But if we have to, it's definitely a daylight mission, but there's a lot going on that we have to be careful about. Um, for starters, we have to be worried about all of their human servants, and we've been hearing stories about um, a group of vampires that functions during 
the daytime by wearing fully enclosed environments. That's terrifying. Thankfully, there's not that many of them. Ooh. So, with some of your experience and uh, from what you've heard about the mission that the Tomorrow Legion is planning, trying to go so deep into Mexico to extract these refugees, um, what do you think of the plan? Do you have any suggestions on how to improve it? Yeah, I was a little bit worried when I heard about the plan. Uh, the first group trying to make the diversion up and along the border isn't going to do much. There's no developed vampires that that far north. I mean, most of that area far north is going to be a lot of human settlement. Um, we're up north. Uh, Monterey's up north. So we've got a good solid um, stand in that those areas. It's Vampires are definitely all further north. So a diversion would need to be somewhere. Um, the other thing I would suggest is the east of the coast. The city's not that far from the coast. And, well, water's not to their advantage. And they're not far from Tampico, a military prick, you could probably pay them off to get some easy access, but you're going to have to pay them. Mm, true. Well, the other thing I would definitely suggest, the other thing I would suggest is uh, outfitting all of your um, glitter boys with big water cannons and being prepared for human problems. In this city, they're sort of what we've heard, that they are given some level of citizenship so they may not be as willing to lay down their arms really so they're more than just slaves well in that many of the mexican uh, cities in mexico empire um the vampires have traded certain things and given them freedoms so they live it's not a good life but they know that in nearby cities they are nothing more than slaves so ones in the Minijlan um, might either, well, they're more likely not to do anything, but get in the way. Really? Hmm. Do you think there might be an issue with actual, like, non-vampire military units? Definitely. There are um, around there are a number of people who are hoping to get turned, so they'll do whatever it takes and then the vampires control people by their mind control people's minds and they've got plenty of mind slaves that are there to help so there is still going to be resistance even during Ooh, those are all things that definitely will have to be considered so evie thank you for your time the legion really truly appreciates the support that you and the reeds rangers has provided well we some of us are going to do what we can can't always trust doc but many of us just want the entire air to be free and we don't care how it happens yeah uh, from the from what i've heard of mexico it's it's uh we have it good where we are here in the middle of north america yeah that's what we've heard too. some listeners have inquired about the whereabouts of thielen recently and i have finally gotten clearance to share this with you shortly after his last transmission from the western part of kansas Thielen encountered some threats that the Legion asked him to explore. Legion Intelligence has finally given me authorization to release this series of audios from him. Hello, Beacon. Thielen here. No need to adjust your audio. This is me. I've just decided to stop masking my voice. Since my last report, the Tomorrow Legion asked me to go investigate the Kingdom of Monsters, so I've made my way north 
through the Zytikix-infested lands and into the Calgary region. Those bugs with their incessant clicking can really wear on a person you know. I was traveling with a young dragon named Evereth for a few weeks. Apparently, she stumbled through a rift and found herself here. She had traveled with the Tomorrow Legion unit calling itself the Wolverines for a few weeks before splitting off on her own. She saved me from a particularly nasty Zytikix patrol and decided I needed looking after. A few days ago, we parted ways. She was uncomfortable going closer to Calgary. She's probably the smart one of us. Calgary. Saying the name out loud makes me remember of an, a line from a very old pre-cataclysm movie. You will never find a more wretched hive of scum and villainy. And as the old man in the film goes on to say, you must be careful when entering or going near Calgary. My kind has always found the region to be a fertile hunting ground, and we have managed to keep the monstrous demons in check, to a small degree with help of other factions, such as the Native American tribes. The Zytikiks also have some hive colonies near Calgary, which helps to keep the monsters busy fighting the insects, rather than trying to expand their area of influence. The Kingdom of Monsters, or Hell's Pit as some have called it, is the result of a large, stable rift in the heart of the old city of Calgary. For nearly 300 years, this rift has unloaded all manner of monsters onto the land. I believe that the rift is the source of the Zytikiks, the Simvin, and possibly even... been to this region before. My parents and my home clan came from here. I was told many stories of demon hunts and great feasts of flesh and psyche by my tribe. In the end though, Hell's Pit proved too dangerous for my tribe's tastes, so they moved south to easier, safer hunting grounds in what was once the state of Idaho and Wyoming. Strangely enough, my family friended the Blackfoot Indians of Idaho and the Crow Indians of Montana and Wyoming. I think it's this friendship that led my tribe to not hurt humans and most of the gentler human races. I'm sorry, I was collecting wool again. Back to task. I've been following a cannibal alliance, at least what I've been calling them, to the old town of Tabor near Lethbridge about 150 miles south of Calgary itself. I've joined up with a band of Psystalker guerrilla fighters that started harassing this group and has been able to be a real thorn in the sight of those demon hordes from the Monster Kingdom. We've taken out a few demon patrols in the last couple days, but the demons are responding with increasingly severe retaliation to our tactics. 
I believe it's because of what my fellow Psystalkers told me of. Apparently, the demons are working on something here in Lethbridge, which is why the Broadkill and the Simven were raiding for slaves so far south. They say it's a massive stone pillar that they are sacrificing sentient beings to, bleeding them dry upon the pillar. We're leaving to view it tomorrow. Beacon. It is worse than they described. The Tomorrow Legion needs to stop the Cannibal Alliance from collecting any more victims. I have seen this artifact, and we need to destroy it before it is complete. I don't know what it is for, but get this message out to everyone, Beacon. The darkness is coming if we do not destroy it. Send in the full Tomorrow Legion. Send in the Cyber Knights. Hell, contact the Coalition if you have to. We have to destroy it before it's too late. There are some moments that make me regret giving up the way of the gun, because my soul screamed at me when I heard his last transmission. I wanted to grab my rifle and leave the castle right away to go rescue him. However, it had been a few days since the message was received and decoded. The Legion and the Cyber Knights are tasking some of our teams in the Montana Territories to journey north to investigate Thielen's transmission. My friend, I pray that you survive that encounter and that you are currently safe. But Thielen's warning is not without merit. Legion Command is concerned about the threat this group poses to the Great Plains Territories and they put me in contact with an expert. Justice Marshal Alan Wayne Owens. Hello, thank you for providing your expertise to help people prepare to deal with this threat. So, you're familiar with this group that Thielen has coined the Cannibal Alliance? Well, Beacon, I'm, I'm unfortunately familiar with the existence of this rabid gang of depraved scum. Is this threat as dire as Thielen is suggesting? There are, of course, some conflicting reports, but from the info gathered by the Justice Rangers up north, the best we can tell... They have eaten at least half a dozen towns worth of settlers. Oh, my. Eating on top of actually taking slaves. Um, what actions have the Justice Rangers and the Tomorrow Legion taken to counter this threat? Well, a Justice Ranger posse and what was at the time informal co cooperation with one of the Tomorrow Legion's exploration teams did attempt to put a stop to the rampaging horde of demonic cannibals. Unfortunately, I reckon that that band of uh, heroes has met a violent end. I haven't heard from them in a while. Oh, I'll have to confer with Legion Command on that. Uh, did you know that this band ranged uh, out of the Monster Kingdom of Calgary? You know, I had heard all kinds of rumors from folks out yonder, but I had no idea what to believe for a hot minute until I got contacted by a squad of them Tundra Rangers. The maps they showed me were pretty slick and had right good intel, so I reckon the Monster Kingdom of Calgary, that's probably the right call. Have you been to the area near the Monster Kingdom of Calgary? Me near Calgary? Shoot, I ain't been that far north before, but, uh, you know, that could be changing soon from the look of things. Yeah, I'm, uh, I want to go grab my rifle and go check on Thielen myself. Uh, so Legion Intelligence is in, has some information suggesting that the Tundra Rangers and Larson's Brigade have been heavily engaged with the Kingdom since the fall of Tolkien. Do you think that the uh, Legion should be committing for forces to this campaign up north? You know what, Beacon? That's what I heard, too. I am of the opinion that the Cannibal Alliance is really just a symptom of a much larger problem. I aim to shift what Justice Rangers I can north, and I've picked up recruitment out in the Baronies. As for the Legion, I'm not about to second-guess General McGruder and his command staff. 
this sorry earth has all kinds of demon plagues. And I'm sure that the good general will make the right calls, just like he has been. Ranger Owens, thank you for the information. Any Tomorrow Legion teams in the Great Plains make contact with your regional justice rangers to start helping to deal with this threat. With things heating up in the west and the south, one would think that a little relief in the east or the north would balance out the threats that the Tomorrow Legion is dealing with at the moment. Surprisingly, the one adversary that is quiet at the moment is the Coalition. Let's hope it stays that way for a little while, because we have received several interesting reports from the Magic Zone as well. We have received a mission report from Set Sapphire, which has been operating with our allies in Mage Star to the east. This is Master Mark Ray, Tomorrow Legion. SCT Sapphire, in the Fey town of Kronos Plonk. Current location, undetermined, but likely somewhere in the Magic Zone, since the place is surrounded by a twisted forest of black fog. No idea if this transmission is going far enough to hit a relay, but just in case. Angus is at the town hall. Says he has a fantastic techno-wizard idea to help us out. I think he just wants to hit the buffet. Trying to find Derek. As usual, the dragon runs off looking for trouble before I can finish explaining the plan. Can't raise him on the comms. It's a shame he never remembers to cast telepathy before he gets lost. Quick recap of the mission so far. This town, Kronos Plonk, was originally by the shores of the Mississippi, and it was attacked by Splugorths. We fought the Splugorths off. I can't say we drove them away. The town itself decided it was going to do a fade and move to a new location uh, before they could press their attack. Building a town on a nexus is bad enough with rift storms and gates opening, but why stay in a town that randomly teleports around when it feels like it? Well, town's in its new location. It's surrounded by a twisted, dark forest, and there seemed to be a good quantity of undead shambling out of the streets. They don't look like animated corpses exactly, but more like possessed living people, but soulless. And they're shuffling down the streets silently. There's gotta be 50 or 60 of them that I can see from up here on the roof. There seems to be a dark miasma seeping out of the forest, spreading across Kronos Plonk. Lovely neighborhood the town has moved to. I'm staying up high, trying to stay out of sight. Spotted some cultists mix in with the zombies. They must be necromancers. Nobody else would hang out with zombies, and they seem to be leading them around. These seem different from the necromancers we've run into before. No race in tow, just to just see zombies. And whatever sick powers flowing the woods seems to follow them. Lucky the townspeople were already holed up when we were fighting the slavers. They just need to stay put so they can stay safe. Some undead are starting to drag folks into the street. Let's see how they like the ice ray. Hey, you! Get back inside before most show up! Stay frosty. We're from Castle Refuge and we're here to help. You'd think a Faytown would have better emergency shelters? Sirens, maybe? If anyone back at Castle Refuge gets this message, ship this town a new public address system or something. Saw three robe cultists stream into a large house over there. Better go intangible and see what they're up to. Let's take a look. Oh, of course that's where the dragon is. On someone's dining room table and he's about to be the main course. Again. They must have put the whammy on him. Let's see what's in the kitchen while they were occupied.
Nice beer selection. Mangus is busy stuffing his face while I'm out here doing all the work. Well, I guess a plasma grade won't hurt the dragon. Remove his helmet. Did, uh, you hear something? Quiet! Is that a grenade? Wait, what? I really hate necromancers. Damn it! Some of them went desol. They aren't that tough, but they all seem to know what the others are doing. It's hard to catch them by surprise, but they weren't expecting my rifle to hit them while they were desol. TW upgrades to the rescue. What the hell is that? Some sort of glowing lights rising from the necromancers? That is not normal. Ugh, where the hell am I? What happened? Whammied by the necromancers, Derek. Ugh, and they set my cape on fire. Can I kill them again? And why are they glowing like that? I have no idea, Deep, but I think we are not going to like the answer. Ending mission report. Town of Kronos Plonk is secured, and we are going to make our exit. In addition to Set Sapphire's report, we've also received a mission report from Echo Squad, or Set 42, about an associated settlement that it seems to be turning against the open ideals of the Council of Hope. This is Arcane Retrieval Unit, Set Number 42. Um, Echo Squad, like we call ourselves. Beacon, hello! I just wanted to say thank you to you and all of the Legionnaires. The village is very grateful, but I do have a mission report from the Magic Zone. Uh, PPE users, magicians, need to be very wary. A previous, a previously allied settlement is not so friendly anymore. After the Baron of that particular region died, his bride took over. Reports are that they're building a glass spire for her godmother of some type, and that anyone with PPE or magical skills are being detained to be used in the construction of this spire. Be on the lookout for this. It's pretty dangerous. Some have taken to calling it the Crystal Kingdom. I don't know if that'll stick. The members of Echo Squad were detained for a minute, but thankfully our city rat, Peacemaker, was able to trick them into some kind of con. I believe she told them we were all rogue scholars, which we looked the part since most of Echo Squad and Arcane Retrieval really are. I myself, not so much. Anyway, give my regards to everyone else, and thanks again for the help. Testing, one, two, one, two. Does this thing work? Hello? Hello? Beacon. Uh, sorry about that. Uh, Prophet here. Looks like we're not out of the fire yet. After the last mission update, we were beset upon by a group known as the Inquisitors. Apparently, here in the Kingdom of Peralt, they are the Federation of Magic's version of Psystalkers. They are not too pleasant, and just when you think you've gotten away from them, they find you. Well, they knew for a fact that most of the members of our party did have some level of PPE, and they even managed to capture one of us. So that means a member of Echo Squad is actually in the detainment camp. I guess it's all good, since while being there, they've been able to broadcast some of the information. Best they tell us this fairy godmother isn't as benevolent as she seems. While on the outside, she'll give food to children and heal the sick and always have a kind word, in the camps, she beats anyone that looks like a cyber knight, a mystic, or anybody that has any kind of holy-type relic or aura around them. 
I myself get some type of infernal energy, PPE or somewhat. Doing a little bit of back study on our current ruler in the area. After the deposed Prince Charmaine, his widow, Lady Cinderella, bears a striking resemblance to a mystic knight called Sin. I personally think that she's bad news and running a really vicious con, but Peacemaker tells me that after looking around the property for a while, she says that Lady Cinderella has been spotted at the grave of Prince Charmaine every night, sometimes even crying or sobbing. This is the exact opposite of how she acts in court, taking all comers and threatening anyone with violence if they challenge her rule. Robin, who... well, let me get into that. As it turns out, when we escaped the city, we were beset upon by a group of bandits. We thought we were going to be robbed or have some kind of horrible fight. But when we told their leader, a dog boy by the name of Robin, that we were with the Tomorrow Legion, the entire demeanor changed. As it turns out, they're the resistance here in the Kingdom of Peralt. They won't want to fight any of us, and if need be, they'll be our allies. I gotta warn you, though, they're a little bit odd. Seem to practice archery a lot. At any rate, if any members of the Tomorrow Legion are in the area and want to help us out, we'd greatly appreciate it. Just walk through the woods and s try and smell wet dog. <laughs> Thanks for your help again, and we'll keep you updated as best we can. After discussing what happened with uh, our direct supervisor, it was come to the conclusion that it's in our best interest if we talk for a little bit. I just received word that someone with the Retribution Squad made an attempt on your life. I'm really sorry to hear that. Uh, kind of shocked. It was my first time calling in for help. But, uh, I just, I guess I don't know, man. Um, the idea of retribution versus hope, I mean, the idea is hope can redeem. Well, alright, fine. Maybe proselytizing isn't my best work. Echo Squad, good luck with the missions in the Magic Zone, and thank you for your sentiments concerning the insider attack. Unfortunately, fear and hate are easier to cultivate than hope. As you have seen in the city-state of Peralt, the difference reminds me of a saying that had come before the rifts. It goes something like, we will win for protecting the ones we love, not destroying what we hate. Unfortunately, from the, what the security specialists in Laszlo say, these zealous individuals believe the former is no longer possible, and only the latter will do. Intelligence suggests that Warlord Scard, one of Tolkien's ruling council, has escaped and is supporting these terrorist groups. To go over these events, Colonel Haydath Ilorka, one of the Legion's community outreach team leaders and an expert in the Magic Zone, is joining us. Colonel, thank you for joining us, ma'am. You have had a chance to listen to the two mission reports prior. Does it seem like the threats to the Magic Zone are growing? Unfortunately, it always like the threats to the Magic Zone are growing. So I must agree very much in the affirmative. Okay, thank you. Uh, so Prophet, the leader of Echo Squad, identified Lady Sin as a potential Mystic Knight. For those not operating in the Magic Zone, who are the Mystic Knights, and are, are they just Cyber Knights, or are they something different? Something very much different. My research leads me to conclude that they are, in fact, a descendant of the philosophy that led to the creation of the Mystic. 
since then, they have unfortunately embraced a life of, hmm, shall we call it crime? Yes, crime would be a very simple way of putting it, but certainly of violence, of useless mercenaries, and of a devotion to the active pursuit of doing bad to good people. Thank I've heard that some of them have, in fact, redeemed themselves. But that's a report from far away, and I'm afraid we do not have more information to follow on that yet. Well, as somebody with my background, I can appreciate the idea of redemption. So is uh, the subtle takeover of a town, a small township like uh, the one Lady Sin is in charge of, a typical strategy of the Federation of Magic? You can never be entirely sure of what Lord Dunskin will do. The man is deeply devious, and he is stood by an entire council of even more devious beings. Certainly I could see a strategy conceived by his council in Bloodmist, Raksasha, with um, a very tactical mind. But in the past... He's, Lord Dunskin himself has been far more. In, for example, in a matter of the town of that's currently known as Dragon's Blood, but formerly known as Alistair Dunskin simply walked, slew the, the dragon who was protecting the town and then declared it part of his. Hmm. They just fit what is needed. Wow, uh, to to think that Dunskin is actually roaming out in in uh, dealing with leaders of towns directly himself is quite terrifying. Um, speaking of creatures that potentially could be follow him, does this fairy godmother sound like a creature that you've ever encountered before? I'm reluctant to say, frankly, having not gotten direct intelligence on this myself. I would suspect perhaps it is the witchling in disguise, though. That would appeal to their dark sense of humor. Ah, witchlings, yeah. They're unfortunately involved with several of them in uh, encounters during the war. Um, speaking of the Federation of Magic, uh, in their report, note, Set Sapphire suggests that, that a group attacking the Fade Town was members of the Harvester Cult. I'm familiar with the name, and I remember that they are allied with the Federation, but I don't know any specifics. Do you have any more specific information about them? We are part of a cult worshipping an alien intelligence. This being's name currently escapes us. More information is needed. Thankfully, we do seem to have the potential help of some new allies who may be able to provide more information in this particular as for their alliance with the Federation, it's hard to say if it's truly a, or if it's simply the Harvesters taking advantage of the situation that Alistair Dunskin has created. Dunskin considers all of the area to be under his control, and as such has declared an amnesty for any dark wizards and sorcerers who inhabit the area. I believe that the Harvester's ultimate goals are at odds with 
Lord Dunskin's own goals, and as such will probably turn him against them eventually. But for now, they ride his coattails, hiding in his protection, and doing their own dark deed. Really, that is quite disturbing to hear. Um, Colonel, if you were to make your recommendation to Legion Command, would you say the Grim Reaper cult or the Harvesters were a more dangerous threat? I believe the Harvesters are a more immediate threat. Not perhaps more dangerous in the long run, but certainly more dangerous now. They have increased their activity exponentially. And re- hmm. There does seem to be something working against them, but they are so spread out. <coughs> so much power on these strange undead that they command seem to me a far more or immediate threat as with the possibility of them growing ever stronger than the somewhat more involved um, methods used for creating murder wraiths. Mm, okay. Thank you, ma'am. That's good to know. Uh, set Sapphire, just keep in mind, as the colonel suggested, keep your eyes out for any potential allies that are operating in your area. Colonel, one final question. Do you have any thoughts concerning the appearance of retribution squads here in Castle Refuge? I'm afraid I cannot speak in more detail about, about that. My concerns have been voiced with command, but uh, it would be unprofessional of me to say more at this time. Yes, Colonel, I understand. Uh, thank you. Uh, your insights have been extremely valuable, and hopefully it will help units like Set Sapphire and Echo Squad. I appreciate your time. Thank you. After that onslaught of information, listeners, stay safe, move surely, and look out for your fellow refugees. I, Beacon, will guide you to your new tomorrow. Speak to you again soon. I would like to thank Patrick Greenlaw for returning to the show as Thielen and Dustin Smith for his second mission report from set 42 on the Warrior Princesses of Rifts. I would also like to thank Jim Snyder and Gary Snyder for their mission reports from set Sapphire. Welcome to the show, guys. And finally, I would like to thank and welcome Robin and Sean Bircher and Sean Robertson, Robertson for joining me as experts on this show, and they have graciously agreed to stick around and chat about Savage Rifts. Robin, Sean, and Sean, welcome to the Voice of Hope. I've been really looking Thanks. forward to sitting down with you guys for the show. Glad to hear that. Thanks. Yep. For the- welcome. Happy to be here. So I'm just going to throw out some questions for you guys to start this off, and uh, feel free to chime in. For the most part, uh, most of the once people find out that you guys are on the show, they're going to want to hear from you and not from me. So, <laughs> <laughs> so for the first question for y'all, uh, how have you been enjoying the job so far as the line developers for Savage Rifts? It's been a challenge. It's been fast. Fascinating, but definitely a challenge. Uh, we've learned so much. I came in as basically, uh, just from background, as a freelance writer. I'd never been in charge of a project like this before. And for me, certainly, it has been pretty danged amazing. <laughs> also, yeah, challenge. Yeah, Robin, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, there are times it's been hilariously fun and... Um, inspiring, and then there's moments where you just want to pull your hair out. Yeah, that's probably my fault. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I mean, even sometimes just trying to 
you know, build things up, following, working with the Rifts rules and then the Savage rules. And sometimes I could get rid yeah, I, I, I'd have to agree with Robin. You know, that's that's the biggest challenge I played. So this is Robertson. Um, I'll just use my last name, be easier. <laughs> um, but uh, So many Seans. Yeah, so many Seans. Three Seans and a Shane. Um, now we just need a Seamus. But uh, yeah, I, um, I played <laughs> Rift since I was a kid, since I was like in high school. So for me, um, it's really interesting to see how it's evolved into Savage Worlds. And I think that Sean Fannin... Um, and um, and Ross uh, did some amazing stuff on it, um, but uh, picking that up and moving forward, it's it's a little daunting. It's been a big learning experience. Um, my background, I just came from. Um, I was in the military before, and I'm, I've come back to school for game design and development, and started doing writing. And uh, yeah, it's been a challenge. And the I, I know that uh, Robert, uh, Robin, and the Birchers, uh, Robin and Sean, have been really great uh, helping helping to uh, balance out the team with me because I, I'm, I'm very inexperienced, uh, even though I do know, I guess, a lot about the setting just because of years and years of immersion. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Actually, I, I started playing Rifts in, uh, like, my freshman year of high school when the first book came out, so. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's about about the same for me. I think I was in middle school. Yeah, it was. It's a it's a great game, and I you know it's been um, it's been really enjoyable. But there's been times where it's just like, wow, this is a lot to try and manage at once. So since we're doing, especially since we're doing three books in tandem. Yep. So for the Birchers of you, uh, Sean, you, you and Robin, uh, do you guys pl uh, play Rifts uh, yourself before doing Savage Rifts? No, we are definitely on this project as, as the Savage Worlds experts. Yeah. yeah, my group back in high school was too scared of all the number crunching. <laughs> we, never, we never played it. Gotcha. Yeah, actually, I love the Savage, the uh, Savage and Wine, or Wine and Savages uh, blog. That's pretty amazing. I'm sorry I screwed it up there. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> no, the Birchers have been awesome, you know, and 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 they really are. It really is great to have them um, here as as Savage Worlds experts because sometimes we've kind of had to hammer stuff out. Hey, how do we represent this the best way and keep the the you know the spirit of what's going on in in the original riffs but make sure that it works in a savage context um, with the, the rules are so vastly different. So, mm -hmm. yeah, savage worlds is definitely built around the idea of a um, bunch of players who maybe they're in their forties and fifties. They can only get together every once in a while, but when they do get, they want to have a big, big complete adventure in one. Right. And so it really, uh, um, facilitates that much more than any other system I've played and that's definitely been the emphasis here to try to keep that in this next set of Savage Worlds uh, Rifts book um, but Rob and I played in Fanon's game at Chupacabracon the year that the Kickstarter was launched I've seen that video it was all yeah. a big deal yeah yeah that was my first time encountering rifts really at all, but it was so much fun and so just a fascinating setting that it's been a joy to get it. So who did discovering you, it's been? Who did you guys play in that game? 
I was the wilderness scout who hit a hit a what? I hit the glitter boy. <laughs> yeah, she disguised it so that we could do an ambush, and then you know. Uh, <clears throat> Meanwhile, I was the juicer who decided that the best way to get that ambush to work was to run all the way to the enemy camp and then have them chase me back. I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I was getting helped by, the, by our crazy, played by David Larkin. Yep. With the, uh, the Mysterio-sounding uh, uh, mind melter as well. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> that guy was so. Over- <laughs> as as all rips games, and he kept getting his. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's so fun. Well, you know, I think that um, what Sean Bircher said um, is is a real good point because you know making sure that it's a group, uh, something that a group can get together and play a game and have a really great adventure. Um, one of the things that Shane's really um, made sure that we included, and I've been very happy with it, is is that we fleshed out and added a ton of, of adventure material to the upcoming books as well. So I think that people will really enjoy that and having that integrated into um, these these upcoming series of books. Cool. Well, I mean, it's and since ChupacabraCon last year, it's kind of been out there that the next three books coming out are, of course, Empire of Humanity, Blood and Banes, and Arcana and Mystic, uh, Arcane North America. So which one of you worked on which books, and can you give us a synopsis of them? Um, yeah. Right. Who, who wants to start? <laughs> Ladies first. Okay, well, I did. I've primarily worked on Blood and Banes, at that point, I did do some of the writing for Arcana and Mysticism. Well, uh, Sean Patrick Fannin was still on the project. But for Blood, you're looking, looking at just a lot of nasty bad guys. Things that are dangerous and going to kill you. But thankfully, it's also their foes. So you have people to meet and get to know. and have. So there's hope. Voice of hope. <laughs> Lots of hope. Uh, we'll go with the uh, uh, Sean Bircher next. Well, you know, actually, I can present a bit of a preview here of back cover copy for you. Yeah, book. great idea. <clears throat> That's right. So, Savage Rifts, North America, Blood and Bane's, where darkness looms, the light shines brightest. Though the Coalition states the true Federation of Magic threatens the Tomorrow Legion from either side. The greatest dangers to Castle Refuge come from far afield. In the south, the Vampire Kingdom's plot. In the east, mutant tribes stalk dark dinosaur swamp and ghost-haunted Madhaven. In the north, the alien Zydekicks and the demonic kingdom of monsters threaten all life on Rift's Earth. Extensive faction descriptions, new savage tales, and over 40 new creatures help game masters bring these new threats to life. While the plot point campaign Into the Desert Night plunges the legionnaires into a deadly duel with the vampire kingdoms hope blooms savage rifts north america blood and veins contains options for players to bring new allies to life as auxiliary legionnaires reeds rangers the knights of the white rose the Deathbringer tribe and the tundra rangers stand ready to fight against these bands inside you will find new iconic frameworks such as the ethical necromancer and the secondary vampire mars packages like the barbarian and dinosaur hunter new races including the centaur and werecat and plenty of gear and vehicles to help your heroes take the fight to the worst North America. 
Meanwhile, Savage Rifts, North America, Arcane Mysticism, Transcend Your Limit. All Legionnaires know the vile Federation of Magic and its vendetta against the Coalition States, but few comprehend the eldritch powers found further. What do your Legionnaires know of the Spirit West, the techno-wizards of ours know, the Native American preserves, or the glory of Trithsa? What do they understand of Laszlo and the territories of what do they truly know about the political machinations splitting the magic zone apart? Unleash your power! Savage Rifts North America Arcane and Mysticism gives players the tools to dive deep into the magical side of Rifts. New iconic frameworks and Mars packages, such as the Dragon Juicer, Psy Warrior, and Zapper. And new gear and vehicles, like the Arsno Jack and the Dweamer <laughs> Colossus, provide players access to new realms of mystical might. For game masters, New savage tales and over 30 new creatures flesh out the threats found in these far-flung magical realms. The plot point campaign, Souls of Darkness, integrates mysterious sciescape into castle refuges, alliances, and rivalries. This epic adventure reshapes the Tomorrow Legion's role on Rift. Wow. All right. Cool. I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. I And I, you didn't have the copy for Empires, right? I do have it handy. I just brought it uh, up. Ha, 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 ha. You, can I read it? Can, can you paste yeah. it and I can read it? Yeah. You paste it in the chat. I'm like a kid in a candy store wanting to read this. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, yeah, it was, it was interesting because, because I know the Birchers were working on Blood and Banes and Arcana and Mysticism with Fanon um, for a while, and, and, and it wasn't Oops. as clear-cut and um, as when I was handed um, what would become Empires of Humanity. So that's been an interesting experience because it, initially it was going to be the Coalition book, quote-unquote. There was you know working title, but um, it ended up expanding as we sought to make sure that we not finished North America, but made sure that we did all the, the, the really important stuff, uh, justice for North America. If you say more glitter boys, you'll you'll have me at GB. <laughs> I can uh, neither confirm nor okay. I can I can actually confirm that we have the T five fifty in Empires of Humanity. Because nice. what, what would Free Quebec be without uh, without the their their uh, Triax off brand glitter boy? <laughs> All right, here we go. I've got the copy. Thank you, Sean. And uh, I will say out th to you guys out there, Sean wrote really great copy. I kind of uh, tweaked this a little bit. But um, anyways, so Savage Worlds, Rifts, North America, Empires of Humanity. The Rifts shattered the golden age of technology. Now humanity strikes back. The Coalition's Emperor prosecutes his crusade for humanity, seeking to absorb non-arcane human societies and purge all others. Encroaching on both the Tomorrow Legion's potential allies and enemies, accelerating the pace of events set in motion by the fall of Tolkien. Corporate states, despotisms, and wild barter towns all employ unbelievably high-tech might. Threats such as the coalition states, Free Quebec, and Pecos Empire abound, as do potential allies in places like the New West, Great Lakes Kingdoms, and Texas Freelands. Then there are the enigmatic forces of Archie III, the Shimmerian Nation, and the Republicans to contend with. Savage Rifts North America Empires of Humanity shines a spotlight on the sci-fi aspects of Rifts. New mutant animal races expand beyond dog boys, while a new iconic framework allows players to design their own robot characters from scratch. 
Treatment edges offer state-of-the-art possibilities for juicers, while expanded combat and professional edges give gunfighters and mercenaries their day in the sun. Extensive new gear options and rules for power armor, vehicles, guns, explosives, cybernetics, bots, and more give players and game masters more toys than they can handle. The intrigue-laden plot point campaign, Ex Machina, reveals the hidden history of the great cataclysm to the players, while new savage tales and over 20 new foes give game masters more technological threats to unleash on the Tomorrow Legion. There we go. Yay. Wow. <laughs> okay, I was not expecting that. Thank you. So for Yeah, each, you're welcome. So for each of you, uh, what's one of your favorite things from your book? What's one thing you wish you could have done a little bit better with the book? And what's one thing that uh, got left on the cutting room floor? Ladies first again. So my favorite part was actually working through Reed's Rangers. It's so messed up that it's so much. We have good guys being run by someone with a Messiah complex. Kind of crazy. Uh, one thing I wish I could have done better is uh, working with the Werecat. They were really tough to transfer over from Rifts into Savage Rifts. Mm. And then one thing I left on the floor that I hated was all the animals I couldn't put in. Uh, I wanted to put in more of the animals you would find, like in Dinosaur Swamp and things like that, and I ha and, and the Pacific Northwest. But I wow, awesome! Now you said Pacific Northwest. That's one area that I haven't seen anywhere, so that that has me intrigued. Yeah, when well, we have you know Calgary, we've got. Um, uh, um, going to have the I zone. I zone <laughs> is in there, which yeah, he wrote. Um, and we're going to have Sasquatch and the Wendigo and that kind of fun stuff, as well as the traditional hell pit that's waiting there for people. The traditional hell pit. <laughs> nice, Mister Bircher. Well, I think I wish I'd stolen the Colorado Baronies from Robert. Person, actually, they would have fit well with my book. Um, Pretty sure I offered. <laughs> <laughs> it was just so full of stuff already. That was the problem. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, it's just massively full of fun things. My favorite thing actually is not the book that I'm officially chief editor of, though it's actually back in Blood and Bane's because I was the person who said, oh, hey, let's bring in vampires and necromancers as characters. So uh, I'm really attached to that. But within Arcana Mysticism, it's, uh, let's see, there's so much, and so much of it is so fun. It's hard to figure out something specific that I would say is my favorite. Let's see. Nope, I can't say that uh, there's anything. And I've got a favorite thing from that book because it's all just it's it's a beautiful blend of what I inherited from Fanon and brand new stuff. Oh, actually, you know, sorry, I just thought of something. Uh, the plot point campaign, yeah, nice. wacky. <laughs> nice. And Roberson. Um, well, for me, um, you know, my favorite thing to work on that actually I'm and. I, I had a lot of feedback from both Fannin and the Birchers on this um, 
was um, the intelligent construct rules. So in this in this book, I don't know if anybody's familiar with the old uh, source book one from Rifts, where you could build your own robot character. Oh yeah. Um, oh yeah. So the way I put this together in this book, you can actually build any sort of intelligent construct. So you could be something that comes out of a rift. It could be something that's magic based. It could be a techno wizardry based. Um, that that was the idea. I, I was actually inspired by a buddy of mine. He played a a character that was, I guess the best way to describe it is he was a machine that came from a machine dimension. It's almost like something out of like Transformers. And we made it work, but I, I, it really inspired me to, to put together some, some rules that would, that would uh, allow more players to do things like that. Or, or like Sean Bircher suggested, uh, there's a Shumerian Renegade um, build out that you can use as well. Um, so I'm really excited about that. I think that players will have a lot of fun with that. Um, something that just couldn't fit, I didn't have the time for, uh, is expanding those rules so that you could build your own robots and vehicles. Uh, but I think that um, you know, Savage Worlds, the sci-fi companion, already does an, an extremely amazing job at that. So I think that that's, that's still something that players have access to. And obviously there will be a new edition of that coming up before too long as well with the new edition of Savage Worlds coming out. Um, that is one thing that you know has been interesting too, is making sure that this, these three books are ready for the newest version of Savage Worlds. Um, so let's see what hit the cutting room floor or what wasn't able to make it. The thing that really, I couldn't fit more, more bad guys. <laughs> I wanted more bad guys in the book. Uh, you know, I, I couldn't fit uh, coalition juicers, coalition Borgs. I think that players can easily approximate that with the, the enemies out of the, uh, out of the Savage Souls in North America. But um, it, I wasn't able to fully um, to find out an entire roster for a couple of the factions um, like the Republicans. Um, but I think that what we've got in there is going to be really great. The players will really be able to use it, and it does flush out a lot of the, I guess, mortal or mundane technological-based um, NPCs um, available to game masters and players um, as they play through campaigns. Awesome. So uh, no Operation Iron Skull and the notorious uh, Skelleborg, huh? <laughs> <laughs> no, none of that. Um, <laughs> what, uh, and one thing I will say that I, the, the the Birchers are, are this isn't just me. This is the Birchers too. But if you, you've seen that beautiful map of North America, Rifts North America that uh, that um, that Pinnacle Entertainment put out, um, I've got it on my wall in my room. Um, every single dot on that map should have an entry for it in one of the three books. So we we really. It's hard to close out North America because that's the heart of Rifts, but we really tried to do it justice and make sure that um, people can can adventure throughout this wide world and see everything uh, if they want to and have at least an, a good idea, a good uh, jumping off point for Game Masters on what adventures might take place at each dot on that map. Awesome. Thanks. So one of the things that, you know, with when SPF, when Savage Rifts first came out that struck me, and I know it's been kind of controversial with some old school Rifts players, but the Tomorrow Legion, you know, one of the things sure. growing up was that called to me about Rifts, though, was kind of the tagline I used at the beginning of the show was Rifts is a really dark world. Now, Sean, you had, uh, Sean Bircher, you'd mentioned vampires and necromancers as player characters. You know, when SPF originally was focusing on kind of the good aspect of Rifts, are you guys intending on going with a little bit darker tone with these books? I can say definitively, uh, yes. <laughs> so, <clears throat> 
so true. <laughs> is still focused through the uh, uh, lens of the Tomorrow Legion. So the focus here on secondary vampires and necromancers as iconic frameworks is to make them characters that could conceivably still be part of the So we're going with the hero vampire and the delusional vampire from, I forget if it's Vampire Kingdoms or Vampires, wrapped into one iconic framework. With um, a lot of notes about, you know, kind of dialing it back a bit, you're not immediately controlling a bunch of minds and stuff like that. While the necromancer comes specifically from a passage in Vampires, where it's talking about um, uh, local uh, necromancers in and around the Mexico border uh, who are integrated into their villages, their members of the society. They're as much helping reunite with their loved ones after death as it is any um there's a certain pixar movie that might be a slight influence <laughs> and there's a reason that i said ethical necromancers in it they're all bound to a code of um consent in order to bring the dead back so it's they they contact people's spirits get permission to use their bodies and then use those bodies to protect the huh that's a actually pretty interesting idea kind of the very de los de la mortis from uh mexico yep that is definitely a heavy influence there though of course you know there's also the deathbringer tribe up in the zydex regions and they're already in the books there as a force for good if maybe a little less ethical in the way they handle um, Good in quotations. I would say, you know, it's it's about, you know, it's about internal conflict, but I wouldn't say it's about darkening the Tomorrow Legion in any way. Awesome. Well, I appreciate that. Thanks. Um, so kind of looking at one of your guys' uh, blog posts here recently, it showed a lot of details about info from Rifts, like the Rowman and the Cyber Horseman um, being brought into Savage Rifts. So what's your favorite Palladium Rifts book, and what aspect of Palladium Rifts is it that you guys absolutely feel that you needed to get in these books? Uh, ladies first again. Yeah, asking the easy questions here, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, for me, that's a hard one. Um, I... Really fell in love with like dinosaur swamp and because they were just so crazy and provided so much inspiration. So I had a lot of fun creating uh, savage tales for those two and finishing fleshing out what had already been written by some of our other writers. So I guess for yeah, for me it's those two books. Awesome, Mister Berker. Uh, well, I was actually going to say Dinosaur Swamp also. Uh, <laughs> it is a cool book. I wonder it is cool. who, wrote, who first wrote that section. Yeah, I wonder who actually wrote the section. Yeah, who wrote the, the outline of the section and all the dinosaur entries. Okay. But um, Cyber Horseman, actually. Uh, I wouldn't say Rifts Canada as a whole. 
is my favorite book by any means, but the cyber horses are just such a rifts concept and cool, honestly, that like, I had to make sure that they were in there. Like the epitome of 90s, like heavy metal magazines, like a cybernetic yeah. horse. And the dude, the, the picture <laughs> looks so much like a rock star. Like... <laughs> Sorry. Exactly. Yeah. And then, then you've got the hot tattooed uh, cyber horseman who's like, so. So, yeah, that was a big part of it there. But books itself, I think it's, it's some of the books that will hopefully we'll be able to adapt rather than the ones we have done so far. I'm kind of looking forward to Rifts Japan and Atlantis. Oh yeah, and uh, Mr. Roberson. Um, for me, you know, I think that uh, well. So when I when I took on the project, like I said, it was originally going to be air quotes the coalition book. Um, and so as we moved, uh, realized that we wanted to make sure that we finished off as much of North America as we could, finished off the map, made sure that everybody understood the different because the coalition is 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 interesting, but it doesn't exist in a vacuum. And it's very interesting the world that uh, that Kevin Sembietta has created here. So that I would say that that's the book that that was the biggest influence. Um, and Sean Fannin had already written some really great coalition material, which I was able to build on. Um, <coughs> the other thing I would say though is Source Book One, Juicer Uprising, mm-hmm. Lone Star, uh, New West. Those are those are the real big books um, for Empires of Humanity. Um, oh, and the, the newest uh, Northern Gun books. So those those are really big influences on this book as well. Um, the the I tried to there's a lot of world building, so I tried to fit all that type of stuff in there. But um, uh, yeah, that's those are the those are the big influences that I think that people will be able to easily pick out. You know, some of the the best parts of those books and the best ideas in those books being expanded in here. Nice, actually, uh, the Juicer Uprising is probably one of my favorite books. That and the the Naruni Enterprises is was always entertaining. Yeah, and we've got, and Naruni is in here, and, you know, one of the really fun things is I felt like this, like, weird Rifts historian um, as I was going through all these man- these books from 25 years, you know, um, and asking Kevin questions, and he was very patient with me, and I would give him, like, page citations and asking these w- weird little questions about how different things would line up. Um, but uh, it, it was it was really cool um, to, to go through all of it, and the thing that I wanted to make sure was really in this book was that... Uh, was the trial and the struggles of humanity in this new world, and how it's it's America, but it's not America. It's it's there's these new there's the new racism, you know, human supremacy and uh, the DB oppression and things like that. There's the there's the the whole all the same questions of of um, education and and uh, corporate you know corporate um, power government power. Uh, it's, it's a lot of really American questions in this book, so I tried not to shy away from them. Uh, at the same time, uh, treat them, you know, with with respect, so that uh, you know we could let the original original writing shine through on these really American subjects. Well, we just saw the uh, the Savage Worlds Adventure Edition Kickstarter end, and it blew Savage Rifts out of the water. Um, of course, you guys have mentioned it a little bit. Uh, there's been some comments about Savage Rifts and how it's going to tie to the new editions. So, uh, can you guys say anything about? How these books tie into Suede, and then how you'll the uh, the existing books will be updated. We had to spend a day 
removing charisma from all the step. <laughs> it's just at least a day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so long, charisma. <laughs> Hello, athletic. <laughs> yeah. I mean, thankfully, since we'd already had access to Flash Gordon, we'd already started some of it in already. Yes. Yes. But full core once we got uh, copies of the book. And yeah, big stuff was mainly with character development, I think. And then I know for me especially, I was using a lot of um, some of the new rules, setting rules, uh, within the Savage Tales. Mm-hmm. Especially since some of these setting rules are so much smoother than they used to be. And with all the other stuff going on in Rifts, that should make things run a lot better. Yeah, I would say that's that's one of my favorite things too is all the new the new uh, quick encounter rules, um, the new the new skills that are coming in and the, the revamps of the skills. But uh, yeah, this is all it's all been it's we've integrated as much as we can, um, you know, and we're we're continuing to do that as uh, we move forward um, in the uh, in the process of getting these books ready for the fans. Um, but uh, I think that people will be really happy with with uh, how these these new suede rules have. Uh, have have impacted the adventure material and uh, the rest of the material as well. So I, I think it'll be really great for the fans. And um, I also, just for everybody's convenience, I, I threw in a, an updated body armor and equipment coalition trooper into this book. So you still got you've got a an easy handy dandy uh, updated coalition trooper right there in the new book. <laughs> awesome. That's good to know. Yeah, it just it, it's kind of amazing how how uh, how the Kickstarter progressed. Now, I'll, I'll also admit that uh, I'm also f- figuring out how to include uh, the plans and operations cards from uh, Freedom Squadron. <laughs> <laughs> plans and operations is one of the best things I've ever encountered, um, and it's so adaptable. I mean, the very first thing I did with it was use you know instead of using it. As- as a way of getting a bunch of heroic military guys together, complete a mission. I did a heist instead. I used it prime time by doing a loop on the third adventure perfectly. Nice. So, I could even see yeah. that being used for like a football game in ETU. Yeah. Yeah. I actually, um, I actually used yeah. it in my plot point campaign for, uh, for the Robodome in Northern Gun. So uh, in the plot point campaign there, the players get to go in and participate in a big competition there. And it, it just, you know, it's so easy to do with the new rules. Um, and the, the, that idea of, of Fannin's um, with the plans and operations has really dovetailed into mm-hmm. the new uh, quick encounter rules and, and, and rules for heists and, and capers and stuff like that. It's just it's really great, really great. Yeah. Sorry, actually, I had one more question that I forgot. I just looked over, and, you know, everybody wants to know this, and if I don't ask it, I know you guys probably can't answer it, but I will probably get thrown, rifted into the wormwood if I don't ask it. When can we expect the Kickstarter? Early 20... That's all we can tell you at this point. Early 2019. Mm-hmm. Early. Yeah. Yep, and that, that's kind of what what we figured. But I, you know, it's one of those that I would probably be lynched if I didn't ask the question. <clears throat> yeah, basically, yeah, things yeah. are now a lot in Aaron Acevedo's hands, and the art process a long process. So that's yeah. going to really determine when the Kickstarter goes live. 
Yeah, it's a lot of it's a lot of the post production. Um, I, I guess you, I, that's why I'm calling it, you know, as a, a newbie to the to the the the, the industry. But uh, yeah, a lot well, of the that's a good term are, for it. You yeah, know, yeah. after after we finish these beautiful, perfect manuscripts, because <laughs> <laughs> those are basically done. Yeah, yeah, those are those are like pretty much done. So those those are done, and we're, we're you know there's there's little things that uh, you know are going to obviously be updated as they go through at the editing process, um, but uh, you know the, we've as a team we've yeah. really worked together to try and make that as smooth as possible. <laughs> right, we're going to need another pass there to make sure everything is updated for you know. Um, yeah, persuade. Yeah, but that's where Clint will be the best person to do that, <laughs> or Shane. Yeah. <laughs> right. Not that we haven't already been coordinating with them, right? But I mean, we right. still we, we need to make sure that they can cross the T's and dot the I's and make sure that any of the little little details um, are are there. And and one thing we will be working on too is a a free conversion guide for any of the previous material to make sure that people have a really easy time um, switching over to the new the new stuff. Awesome. Thanks. Well, and. As I was saying, I really appreciate you all joining me on the show. So it's pretty awesome to have all three of you on at the same time. Uh, do you guys have any? I mean, you guys threw a lot in there, but if you have any closing comments, please feel free. Ladies first, as always. I don't really have much at this point, except that it's going to be crazy and wild, and we hope everybody has a good time. So, and I guess on my side, I hope. People are really surprised, honestly. Um, the plot point campaigns are fantastic, and I hope everybody really enjoys playing with those and that nobody sees some of this work. Yeah, I, I have to agree with the Birchers. You know, um, I, I, I think that this is some, some good stuff <laughs> as a Rifts player um, and as somebody who, you know, I really have enjoyed uh, the process of working with Shane and and Sean Fannin and the Birchers and, and Kevin Symbieta to make sure that this can all happen. Um, I hope that the players really enjoy it and, and also look at it kind of as a, you know, an updated collection of books that, that uh, even maybe, you know, guys that still play the old, the old Palladium system, you know, it's a great system. Um, but uh, hopefully they'll, they'll pick up these books and take a look at what's in here too, because there's a lot of great material and a lot of great adventures that are easy for anybody to, to run and play. But yeah, the, I mean, I think, uh, I think a lot of the writers have really outdone themselves on this, this series of books. I'm very excited to be a part of it. I think that's the thing that we should also mention, actually, is that it has been writers. It's not been just the three of us. We came right. in and inherited a lot of great material that Sean Patrick Fannin had commissioned, and we are deeply indebted to those authors as well. Absolutely. Awesome. I really appreciate it, Sean. Sean and Robin, thank you very much for coming on the show. We look forward. Hopefully we can have you again, on again sometime. And with that, have a good night. If you have any refugee questions, wish to leave a mission report, or to submit a Legionnaire for Legionnaire's Last Call, please email me at voiceofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Also, if you're in the Washington, D.C. area and are interested in Savage Rifts or Savage Worlds, look up the Capital Savages. And finally, please join our community at MeWe the formal Google Plus Savage Rifts community, and check out savagerifts.com, the premier Savage Rules play-by-post. 
The Voice of Hope is a Savage Rest fan podcast. The music in the intro and prologue are Killers and Rhinos theme by Kevin McLeod, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license. The audio noises are from Sirenscape at www.sirenscape.com. Savage Worlds and Deadlands are copyrighted 2016 and trademarked to Pinnacle Entertainment Group, all rights reserved. Riffs and the Megaverse are registered trademarks of Palladium Books.